Hello, Said. Hello, Christopher. Hello, Arun. Yeah, let's try that again. Try what again? You didn't re- didn't hit record again? <laughs> no, I did. I just didn't like that energy. Wow, really? Wow. So formal. I thought it was being nice. He was. It was I'll a start, setup. It was a setup. The, it was a positive note to start the show. It was. Let's just keep going. Let's do it. He's not our creative director. <laughs> Once again, it is the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And uh, we're just happy that you all survived yes. the tropical storm in Southern California. Yeah. All the California listeners. We made it. Yeah. We, first of all, I'll, I'll just go right out the gate and say, if you saw what happened in Mexico, because they actually got hit by a hurricane, Category 3 hurricane. Category 3. And obviously coming on the heels of the whole Hawaii situation. The fact that this was getting so much news coverage was just wildly disrespectful. <laughs> well, I mean, it was supposed to be the first one, right? No. Come on. Even in 1939, it was a tropical storm. It was the last, quote, hurricane to hit the But, hit bro, the like, coast. even Category 1 hurricanes, I know it sounds like it's small. If it was a true Category 1, we're talking 70-mile-per-hour winds, bro. That's because you were straight locked down in your hey. house, in your storm shelter, <laughs> hey. in the <laughs> Palazzo. Best part like, about this was, like, you know, this is a little underwhelming on your stories, and then... And then, sure enough, the earthquake hits. Yeah. <laughs> so what he's talking about is I was I was making a comment about how ridiculous this was. And it was all over, you know, overstated, and we're being disrespectful to Hawaii and, and to Mexico. And sure enough, like literally, son of a bitch, every time. It's he, slow rolling it though. <laughs> I, I mastered it. There it is. <laughs> it, was, it was a double tap. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, you messed that one up a little bit. It wasn't as punchy as normal. Um. But uh, so yeah, I posted, hey, like you know, this is this is kind of wildly disrespectful. And literally, like a minute later, was the 5.0 earthquake from Ojai. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, maybe I should just not talk <laughs> about yeah. stuff. Yeah, you spoke it into existence. Yeah. Poor Odun, dude, he had a photo shoot scheduled, and like, I basically had my wife call and be like, yo, you need to tell him to cancel that shit. Yeah. So were you gonna wear a monokini? Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> what was the shoot? What was the plan there? Uh, it's indoors, and we're just gonna go do photo shoot for the new baby. In Riverside County, where it was supposed to be hit the hardest. Yeah, there's a lot of questions I have for you. Why Riverside County? Um, we found someone on Instagram uh, last year for Mariam's shoot. So she did a great job, and we just we liked working with her, so we want to do it again. Mm. And she's not going to come to but you? It was worth risking the hydroplaning, um, huh? She has a studio of her own, and she has like all these props and stuff that like we really liked. Dude, I want to meet a photographer that I'd risk hydroplaning for. Like That's crazy. Are we just going to ignore the fact that we have a studio here? Yeah, you got we got backdrops. I mean, we got literally backdrops in front of us. The best lighting. I mean, really? But she has a studio at her house in Riverside. <laughs> like, just how disrespectful can you be? Yeah. Do you even like us? Yeah. He didn't want us to be here. No. He's already planning to go on vacation again. <laughs> well, the, what, this guy's accruing PTO He's like, like crazy. Hey, man, <laughs> we're going to be gone the 4th to the 7th, man. <laughs> so y'all need to figure it out because I just I got stuff to do, man. <laughs> I like it. Right out the gate today when we got in this we got in the studio. Are you got anything to say for yourself? Or are you already on vacation mentally? Uh no. Gonna go to Sacramento, visit the fam. So Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. Hey, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? So should we send you the footage to edit while you're out there? Like, what do you want how you want us to handle it? Yeah, go that? ahead and Google Drive <laughs> drop that. <laughs> well, um, now that we've all survived and we've talked about it at great painful length, and I'm sure you guys are all bored. This episode, episode one seventy. See, that's the cadence we're on now. We actually know what episodes are dropping when. Wow, we, that's that. right. I feel like we all grew up. Like it's, big yeah. boy episode. Yeah, we got a big boy pants on. We're here to talk to you about the impacts. This stuff that we've been talking about the last several episodes have actually started to show in the market. 
What does this mean for our future? Well, nobody really knows, but we're going to start off talking about commercial industrial lending, the CNI, the business loans. It falls again this week, the number of loans being made, but uh, lending by small banks, believe it or not, is actually up. Mm-hmm. We'll get into a little bit about why that's happening and what our thoughts are. I've actually got a, a, lot, a lot of notes there, pretty pretty healthy amount. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get into car prices, uh, just because so many listeners who listen to the show are car enthusiasts like myself. And uh, a lot of people have lamented over the past year and a half, two years, that prices in the auto industry have been way out of control. Way out of control. And I got a lot of data here uh, for them, too. Yeah, there to you go. back you up. And then I've got uh, – I, I should probably openly talk about my my auto decisioning and some of the choices that I've made lately, which uh, may be a surprise to some of you who oh, think that wow, I ball so hard. You yeah. do kind of ball hard. I chose to ball a little bit softer. <laughs> really? A little bit more, I guess, gentle, if you will. Mm. I'm still balling. Yeah. But not with the – Force and veracity. Still luxury. Ball. Still luxury. Maybe. You'll have to see. Okay. Yeah. Stay tuned. Then, of course, uh, an article which was right up our alley. It's clickbaity. It's sexy. How to get rich and famous from a stock market crash. Yeah, this this is what they're referring to as Michael Berry. This has been all over the news. Ironically, from the Wall Street Journal. It's because he's, uh, he's doing his short thing again. Yeah, he's doing his short thing again. But I think this is being a little misreported and people are making it a little too clickbaity. I'm okay with that. Yeah. As we now, as full-time YouTubers, can tell you, that's how you get the views, the subs, as they say in the business. That's right. Get your subs. Get- Which, prior to being a YouTuber, meant sandwiches. <laughs> so, Were you ever a Subway guy? So, long story short, one of my first jobs was working for uh, Verizon Wireless. Okay. It was AirTouch when they converted to Verizon Wireless back mm-hmm. in the day. If you Mine was singular. Part. Oh, was it really? One yeah, of my okay. first, yeah. Dude, bro, guy, we sell you a phone, bro, guy. Yeah, come on, you got Nokia, it has snake on it. You want the insurance? You want the insurance? (laughs) In any event. So that was one of the first jobs I was, you know, in school. And uh, directly next door, like right next door to us, Subway. Subway. And uh, it got to the point where, you know, I was a little seasoned. They were a little seasoned. We had the ability to barter, as you might say. Okay. So I hooked some dudes up with some good deals on cell phones, and uh, they hooked me up with some good deals on subs. This relationship was not a toxic one because I uh, I needed uh, I needed free food back then. I need to know, I need to know what was your sandwich of choice. My credit card was maxed out. Uh, I was a meatball sub guy. Meatball sub, huh? Because at least I thought the bacteria wouldn't settle in the meatball subs. Yeah, bro. Yeah. You just went into a coma when you went back after lunch. Just... Okay, the, the whole cold cut thing there—that yeah, does not look like meat. No, okay. It does not. And have you ever seen the way they come out? No, they come out in big plastic sheets. It just doesn't. It doesn't look right. Yeah, and how are all the the roasted chicken pieces the same? They're cut the exact That's, same. Yeah, and they come out of boil. It comes out of hot water. Yeah. Okay. I know. Like, if they have to reconstitute it with hot water to make yeah. it like look live, not it just not that it's any better. I was always a Quiznos guy. Quiznos out of business, bro. I know, bro. Why they were so much better. We're throwing around a lot of bros in the first couple minutes of the show. It's awkward. We are. I mean, we're it stems, right? Bro, bro. So so the first user of bro was the one who instigated the bro usage? Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's questionable, but okay. So long story, again, short. So I go over there a lot. And uh, one day I got violently ill, food poisoning. Violently, like bad. Okay. Like couldn't stop coming out of every angle. Okay? Both ends, yeah. And if you, can, if you can go number one, number two, and vomit at the same time, like something's broken. Like it's not supposed to biologically work that way, right? So of course I did the responsible thing as a kid. My credit cards were all maxed out. I, you know, was paying for all all my school and everything else, and I didn't have a whole lot of financial flexibility. So I went back to in and out the next day. I was at work. Okay, I've, I've been now not vomiting for twenty four hours. It's been forty eight hours since I've been at work, 
and uh, I had Subway again. You want to take a wild guess what happened? No way. Food poisoning once again. Because you thought violently, reasonably thought this wasn't the reason why. No, I eat this every day. It wasn't this. It can't be this. I mean, I'm just glad I can get something healthy, like a nice chicken sandwich. Yeah. Six inch, not a foot long. I'm going to pace myself. No sauce. Right. Right. Of course, some chocolate chip cookies at the end. Just cap it because you got to. And then go play basketball for six hours afterward. No, I didn't even get there. Everything everything erupted before then. You know what I mean? The volcano erupted. Right. So uh, that was my last time ever eating Subway again. Wow. Yeah. It has such a distinct smell, too, when you walk by it. Yeah, it's the bread that they bake there. Yeah, right? yeah. It's nothing, nothing, nothing is healthy there. No, like that. That's just not food. Just stay away. Like you, you might as well just eat like a vitamin. <laughs> eat a vitamin. <laughs> like that, that's a better. It's a better route. Yeah. Like, whatever the case may be, uh, let's just jump into it. We got mm-hmm. some stuff on mortgage rates as well to end the year, but let's, let's just get into commercial industrial lending, shall we? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like a really three product types in the banking world. And, and I'm boiling down a lot of banking stuff uh, as far as loans go into three. That really makes up their portfolio. It really makes the portfolio. Now there's subcategory. So like there's single family loans. Like, you know, it's typically your first trustee mortgage loans, whether that's adjustable or fixed. And then you have your home equity lines of credit behind that. There might be some other type of loan out there, but generally speaking, that's pretty much the market. Okay. Then uh, you have your multifamily apartment loans and your commercial real estate loans, right? So think commercial real estate, it includes multifamily, but think uh, retail, industrial, wholesale, special use, maybe it's a nightclub, you know, whatever, right? Whatever, yeah, nightclub. You know, whatever turns you on, whatever turns your fancy, as long as it's not a subway. And uh, yeah, well, those are pretty much always adjustable rate mortgages, and uh, that's pretty much it. There's not a whole lot there in that space. It's kind of just that. Now, they can be right. three years, five years, seven years, 10-year fixed, pure adjustable. There's some bridge lending, some construction lending, but that's pretty much your... Real estate market, okay? On the CNI side, the commercial and industrial lending, despite the fact that it references the same vernacular commercial, they are referring to business loans, loans to businesses. Now, this, in some definitions, may include an owner-occupied piece of commercial real estate. So let's say I make uh, widgets in my building. I want a loan for working capital so I can manage my inflow and outflow of capital. But I also want a loan against my property. Now, it's not an income-producing property that I don't get income from a tenant. So it's not underwritten like commercial real estate. It's underwritten like a CNI, like a business loan, because I'm relying on the cash flow coming from your business to pay the debt obligation on the property. Right. So this type of lending specifically, the commercial industrial lending, it has had a, a pretty, pretty big pivot. And the business also has to be able to support the market rent for that for that unit, mm-hmm. right? Because you're obviously not paying yourself rent. It's called a pocket-to-pocket lease. Ooh, sexy vernacular. Sexy vernacular. Pocket to pocket. Mm, play some KC and JoJo while you're at it. Right. All right. So commercial industrial loans, a key economic driver, fell $6.2 billion to $2.75 trillion in the week ending August 9th. The Federal Reserve said Friday this from a Market Watch article titled Commercial Industrial Lending Falls Again This Week, But Lending by Small Banks is Up. This type of lending has fallen for four straight months ever since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in mid-March. And to be honest, you know, this is something that the Fed was hoping to happen much sooner, right? Yes. This, this was supposed to help aid, you know, their process and their goal to reach, you know, inflation, their target range of 2% sooner. I still don't think this is happening for the reasons that the Fed wanted it to happen. Right. But, I mean, they did expect lending to slow down, which it has, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but not 
they wanted lending to slow down because credit tightened up. Yes, but that hasn't happened yet until that they hasn't happened. until they have declared that we've reached our terminal rate. And I don't believe that this is credit tightening up. I believe that this is banks saying we're not going to deploy capital because we're worried about what happens next in the credit markets. This is a liquidity pullback, not a credit pullback. And I think the differentiation will be really, really important as defaults rise. And we'll talk about defaults a little bit later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Shall oh, I continue? Nice foreshadowing. You know, I'm all about foreshadowing. You're all about it? The foreshadow. Okay. Not the past shadow? Is that a thing? No, it's not. Okay. Well, I tried. <laughs> Amateur hour. Lending by large banks fell $6.3 billion to $1.54 trillion in the, lati- in the last week. It was $1.55 trillion in mid-March. Lending by small banks, however, rose $1.6 billion to $716.3 billion. It was $743 billion in mid-March. So what's happening? The large banks are saying to businesses, we're not going to make loans to you right now. You're not qualified. Maybe the things that they're looking at has changed. Maybe they're seeing consumer spending pull back. But generally speaking, of all the loan types that I listed, single family, real estate, investor real estate loans, and this, commercial and industrial loans, this is considered the most risky type of lending. Now, there are underlying versions or variants underneath this that are probably more secure than others. Like, for example, if you're doing an unsecured line of credit to a business, that's very risky. If you're doing a real estate secured line of credit to a business, that's probably less risky because you've got underlying collateral. There's other types of collateral like accounts receivable. Like if you're getting accounts that are due to you that are paying late, a little bit later, maybe 30 or 60 days late, right? But those are pledged to the bank as underlying collateral. That's a little bit more risky than an unsecured loan, but it's a little bit... um, not it's it's not as safe. I'm sorry. It's a little more risky than a secured loan in real estate, but it's not as risky as an unsecured loan. That's actually, um, I think, something that we should explain a little bit further. Something that I actually didn't know about till I got into banking, right? That if somebody pledges their accounts receivable, that if the, the bank were to you know go into default or if they go under, then the bank has the rights to all the money that's you know still to come in. Over the next 30, 60, 90 days. Until such time as their debt is paid back, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, generally idea. speaking, when it gets to that point, it's probably those 30, 60 days. It's curtains, cover. kids. It's over. Yeah. It's, it's not, over. It's not going to cover anything. But, I mean, there there are banks out there that really specialize in this space more so than anything else. Yeah, there's also factoring lines and other, other kind of hybrid types, if you will. Bottom line, businesses that needed money got turned away more than they had in the last four in the last several years in the last four months at big banks. And now small consumer banks are picking up. Now the question is why? And but also, okay, why? Because they're up for renewals now, right? They're not their loans don't stretch out. A lot of a lot of these businesses use, you know, revolving lines of credit. That are usually one years or one year or two years, yes. One year or two years, right? And, and the purpose of those loans are uh, working capital. Now, why would a smaller bank want this and a bigger bank say no? Because the rates on these are adjustable. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Come on, baby. Last time I tried to high five, you no, I learned, show, my, I learned my lesson. You, you skipped out on me. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just yeah, I don't trust you anymore, bro. <laughs> Give me that like gotta, fake pound. I, gotta, I really thought you were gonna leave me hanging. That's why that's what I danced out of it. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of trust in our relationship that's missing now. We have trust issues. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. You did the Larry Wheels episode without me. Can't believe you. And in order to to pay you back, the, the level of guilt that I felt was so massive that I decided not to promote it at all. Okay. <laughs> I, I decided, it's so funny, Larry. It's 
the same thing. Yeah, I, you know, Larry and I agreed that that we just weren't going to promote the show, the episode. Like, Larry, honestly, do not repost it on your social platforms because I don't want Saeed to feel bad. If this, if this blows up, you know, I it, it's just going to be catastrophic for our relationship. I put you ahead of the show, brother. Listen, you're... You- you are a better man than me. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave this right here. Right I'm, here. I'm just I'm just so so concerned about our relationship. You know that was very big of you. Yeah, I was. Some some would say. Some would say you took the some, higher road, the higher standard. Yeah, I did. Mm. So these loans are adjustable. So what does that what does that mean, right? So the rate that they're getting on these loans are loans are higher. They're not fixed at short rates for for longer. So if the Fed does decide to raise rates that it'll adjust correct yes but there's also a much more simple and easy to understand way of explaining this okay okay the larger banks have other auxiliary income streams so banks typically make money on what's known as the net interest margin the difference between what they're getting in loan interest and what they're paying you in deposit interest and as the fed funds number has risen that's a direct cost on banks for their cost of funds increasing so now that the cost of banks to borrow money and the cost of banks to get money from the Fed has gone up dramatically. Consumers want more money for their deposits, and it's costing banks more money, shrinking their net interest margin, shrinking their profitability. But the larger banks, especially the globally systematic important banks, so the GSIBs, the Wells, the Chase, the B of A's, the Cities, they have auxiliary income from things like investment banking, from other auxiliary services that are much larger uh, or you need to have a much larger platform in order to get. And they have scales of economy and much more consumers and, and all, all the things that, that you know large banks come with. The smaller banks don't have that luxury. They live and die off net interest margin. So they're actively looking for a way to get index plus margin-based pricing in their portfolio now because that's going to give them a higher interest rate return and increase their profitability. So if you're a business and you're looking for a loan and you get turned down at one of these four GSIBs, where do you go? Mm. You go to a community bank. And a community bank may be willing to take on a slightly more risk in order to get more return financially. Yeah, man. Which, ironically, is kind of weird when you think about the context of the Great Recession. The Great Recession was a recessionary economy which was really kicked off by mortgage defaults. Hybridized, securitized loans that People, Mike, yeah. Michael Burry shorted that market seeing concern in the markets. And we'll talk about him in a, in a little bit here where he's doing some very similar things because he's seeing dangerous behavior in the markets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to go back to, you know, the net interest margin that you were speaking of, I don't know if you saw that Charles Schwab is looking to close down a bunch of offices to, you know, mess around with their balance sheet a little bit. Yeah, because they're, they're worried about Charles Schwab got hit really, really hard with the net interest margin concerns. Yeah, as well. and they get compared to the uh, KBW NASDAQ Bank Index because, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it um, several months ago that 50% of their revenue from last year was from net interest. Yeah, that's right? a big number for them. Big number, right? And the average yield on their entire source of assets was 2%. Yikes. And that, so they made a lot of loans to current to their customers to accommodate them right and this is what happens with relationship lending where it gets difficult right like you come in and you say chris i want a loan from you i've got 10 million dollars in deposit with you or 10 million dollars of assets under management in the wealth advisory firm i want a deal right i want a deal yep. right and you're like okay well we have a relationship we'll accommodate you this is what first republic did too they were really big in relationship based you know based uh lending and what what happens is but you want a really really low rate because you're such a good customer well 
when your rates are artificially historically low and you've been doing that for 14 years, your weighted average coupon, your rate is going to be very, very low relative to the market. So when the first side of trouble hits, you get impacted before other banks who weren't relationship focused that way get impacted. Right. And that's one. There was an article that came out. I didn't put it in the show notes, but it was saying how banks are really uh, benefiting right now off the fact that they don't need to, they don't feel forced to make these jumbo loans to their, you know, high relationship clients. Yeah. Because, you know, those those people, they're savvy enough to know, like, right now is not the time for me to get involved in anything. Right? You know, some are, some are, dude. Some are freaking out. I've got, I've fielded phone calls from clients saying, where do I go? I need a loan and no one will make me a loan right now. Yeah, exactly. There's some, there's people out there now because. These aren't poor people. These are people who are. Very, very wealthy, successful real estate investors who've got big portfolios, and they're like, no one will make me a loan. Yeah, because the the type of loan that they that they got, you know, several years back, are, is now coming due or is going to adjust, mm -hmm. right? And they're required. It, it's a game of monopoly, right? Every few years, they're from their portfolio, several of several of their properties are adjusting, and they have to refi, and that's when they us usually over the last fourteen years pull cash out and they go buy another property. But what do you do in a, in an environment like this where? It doesn't make sense. No one's going to make you a loan. Yeah. Monopoly is probably not the best reference. I would probably go roulette. Roulette. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You spin yeah. that wheel. It's a good chance you're going to get red or black, and mm -hmm. you're betting on those things. When you add the numbers to it, it gets a little more challenging. Right. right. Yeah. So, and if you're just betting the, the, the simple, more conservative bet of colors, you've got a greater probability of winning. If you're betting a color and a number, you've got a much lower probability of winning. And a lot of these real estate investors who went into the business – not just betting on the consistency of an asset class, but betting on the consistency of an asset class and the ability to make money on an equity play upward, they're the ones getting hit really hard right now. Because pro forma of a possible increase in rents and growth in an underlying submarket right now seems like a far-fetched dream at best. It does because we know uh, the FOMC members, or I don't know if all of them are going to be there, but definitely Jerome Powell is going to be at that Jackson Hole meeting later this week why, why do they get to go to that every year well this is central all the central bankers get together from around the world i know in that and there's that one this is the conference in davos yeah all these badass conferences nobody ever invites me <laughs> yeah come on can i get like yeah. a like a Wait, hand, hand why it's gotta be in jackson hole well, it's in wyoming right yeah and then davos switzerland yeah. badass locations bro. i swear to god where like, all the cowboys go i don't know even kanye goes to wyoming and i'm just saying like you think they're hanging out with kanye and brad pitt is that why they're there i don't know must be I don't know. But, you know, everyone's going to be tuning in uh, Thursday and Friday to to hear what JP from the hood has to say. And you know what I've been doing the last couple months? What have you been doing the last couple months? I have actually not been watching CNBC during the day. Why? That's so unlike you. For years, I've watched CNBC all day long in the background and had it on. And uh, I have not been doing it. And I got to tell you, I've been trying to take uh, an emotional reprieve from... My typical visceral response, because sometimes in the middle of the day, I'll be watching television. You know, I'll look up and I'll see a headline and then people walking by my office. My door is always open. You know, I'm, I'm an open guy, transparent. And I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> you know, and I just get I get visceral. So I'm trying to another trying FOMC to, member. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. Someone slapped your own pal. And then, right. You know, or like, you know, give Biden more Adderall. Just stuff like that that comes out of mouth. But there's no need for anybody to tune into that, because I can tell you right now what Jerome Powell is going to say. Oh, look, guys, you, you know, we, we brought inflation down from, you know, 9.1% in June of 2022. Mm -hmm. um, this is where we're at now, but there's still a lot of uncertainty ahead. We don't really know where this is going to go. We have a couple reports that are still yet to come out. 
Um, we don't know if we're going to cut. We don't know if we're going to hold. We don't know if we're going to raise. Um, I think optimism isn't necessarily a good word for us to be thinking about right now. And uh, let's just see where the, how the reports play out. Do you realize Bravo. You, that, that, that was very good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little, little golf <laughs> clap you, back man. there. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah, so that he's going to leave all three options on the table. And you I know, for sure, he was going to use a soundboard. He was right. talking with before the show. <laughs> <laughs> the cricket one would have broken my yeah. heart. Oh, I forgot which one was which. Yeah, don't don't, don't test it now. Yeah, <laughs> Chris doesn't want to have to go in and clean it up later. Yeah, it was goddamn that audio. Again. But I think with with that with that coming around, and I believe with the Atlanta Fed GDP now figure, right that we talked about on the last show. Yeah, they're predicting a five point eight percent Q three GDP. Right, that just blows everything out of the water. Okay, nobody could have seen that coming. Right, if that happens. Okay, and that continues continues to go down that path. What is that signaling to the markets that the it gives the Fed the ability to hold rates for longer? So because that has been signaled, where did the ten year Treasury go? It's it's spiking up, spiking up again. Now it's at four point three four percent as of today, which push puts upward pressure on mortgage rates. By the way, which it but did. let me let me just give you a hypothetical here. Okay, mm -hmm. let's just say. It's not Jerome Powell saying that. And I don't think anything you said was wrong. I think that's exactly what he's going to say. Yeah. I think we can all pretty much confidently agree that it'll be some variant of exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine it's not Jerome Powell saying that. Imagine it's you mm -hmm. to your wife when you were dating her. <laughs> Why? Imagine some shit like that. Like, well, you know what your three, wife would all say? All three options are on the table. The fuck did I you might, say to me? I might be with you six months from now. I might not. I mean, I want to stay with you long term. Like, what? Is, that be, that's a terrible position to be in. And that's what he's doing to America. He's being the asshole, non-committal boyfriend that doesn't want to commit. I don't see it like that. I see it as him thinking he's daddy. He's like, look, I might give you an allowance next week. I might not. I might keep that's you not, at the that's, same. That's a bad dad. I might, I might, that's a bad daddy. I might keep you. That's a bad daddy. I might keep you at the same allowance. I don't, I don't know, know what, what I'm of, gonna do. I don't know what kind of parenting you, you got going on at home. Honestly, I got to see those school reports before I decide on what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that's 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 not good. That's what he. That's, that's what good. that's what he's doing. That's terrible. He's not. He's not that's marrying terrible. America. I'm just saying he needs to be a little more committal. If we see good trends, we will do this. If we don't see good trends, we will do that. I think it's fair to say they're gonna hold, man. Although the Fed minutes had some rhetoric by some asshole members of the FOMC who were like, man, I think 25 basis points might be a necessity. Uh, I, I just think it's better to overextend than it is to under under underappreciate. I feel like with, with what we've talked about on the show, the bell curve that we've seen. I get it. Right? And then the pause that we saw in June and then the increase again in July. Another pause in September wouldn't, wouldn't hurt because they still have another meeting again in November. Yeah. And a month difference isn't going to do a whole lot, right? But I think um, I'm, I'm still sticking to my guns, man. I think they hold for the rest of the year. They should hold. They should hold for the rest of the year. They should hold into 2024. And then if the numbers are going the right way and the data supports it over that prolonged period of time, then, yeah, cut when the time is right. Right. You know, and what's really not helping um, right now, what I mentioned earlier was the Atlanta Fed GDP figure, right? And Odin, I put an article in the show notes how – Workers are now demanding $80,000 for new jobs. So people are out there demanding more money than ever before. You Man, so I read this, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to try to dance around this without being specific about any company or anybody. Okay. Yep. That's, not, that's not the intent. But the level of entitlement in the job space right now is incredible. Mm -hmm. 
And I know there's a lot of people listening to this who are devout defenders of work from home. I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying work from home can't work or hybridization of it can't work. All I'm saying is the level of entitlement that comes along with what some people have demanded as a guy who has to make some of these key decisions is just, it's stunning. Right. People are literally saying, no, I'm not going to come back to work. Or, hey, I'm not doing that. Or I can go work here and do whatever I want. And it's like, okay, or like I want this. And you're going like, when has... And some of this is a generational thing. Some of it's just like millennial culture is just very different. And the way they communicate and the way they express themselves is very different. And the way they, they typically want to be recognized is also a little different. And I think the, the life-work balance thing is, is much more important to them in some ways. But what I'm not seeing is if you want life-work balance and you want more life and less commitment to work, why do you still expect the return and the recognition from work? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of entitlement around salary. I mean, it makes too. It, it, look. I, I obviously get it from your point of view, right? And obviously, I think the the data out there now they're revisiting and it's it's showcasing that people are more productive if there is even a hybrid schedule, right? But so let's first bring this up. So this is from an article from CNBC. American workers are demanding almost eighty thousand dollars a year to take a new job. Um, the amount of money most workers want now to accept a job reached a record high this year. This Can you punch this up a little bit? We're reading it. Like, the, give me a little more sex appeal. This is an increase of about fourteen percent from last year, right? And we saw on the last inflation report that wages finally in July outpaced inflation. Yeah, and yeah. that's not what the Fed wants to see because what it, this is ultimately going to do is cause inflation to either remain sticky or head in the other direction, even if it's by you know a few decimal points, right? But that's not the direction that the Fed wants it to see it go. I, I will stick to my guns on my original prediction from, shit, almost a year ago, uh, that you're not going to see inflation go down much farther without home prices coming down. And right now we're seeing no indication of that other than a standoff between supply in the market and home prices in relative to the cost of getting a loan right now, lo- you know, loan prices going up. So now you got home prices that that are high you've got a lack of supply and you got the cost of financing really just jumping off cliff right about now right heading closer and closer to that eight percent number at some point something's gonna give something's gonna give and what what makes me feel for the people that are like you were saying um millennials tend to have want this work-life balance and some of that can be associated to the fact that you know Buying a home is so far out of reach for them right now, so they try to focus on something to make them feel good and positive about it. Right? And I get that. It is it is incredibly more difficult if you're that demographic trying to buy a home right. than probably many other times in history. So, And because they can't you know, work from home and buy a home, let's say, someone, somewhere further, because you know, uh, a job in California may, may pay more than a job elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're really good at their job, then I'm stuck having to live here Right. I have to come into work every day or three days a week or whatever the case may be. I can't move away. Right. And and I can't afford to buy a home here. Right. And that that part about it, it's like it's like red, red pill, blue pill. Like, which one are you going to take? Yeah, but that's also part of adult life. So many decisions in adult life are not about making a choice that's clearly the right one. It's about making the best choice that you can at the time. Yeah. So 
as much as I, I feel for the pain of the generation, which is clearly under a, a different set of stressors that we had going up, what I will say is, is that is essentially their kind of burden to bear. Like that, that's, that's the generational cross to bear. It, it, it's never going to be as easy as do I do this? Do I not? We're seeing more people wait to get married too, which is going to have ultimate impacts on, on families and housing and all that stuff too, moving on. But as much as, as, as this generational pivot is, there's always exceptions. I mean, there's some people that are, that are the younger millennial type that are really, 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 really working hard, but there's also a new kind of space that I think is, is interesting to me. You remember that, the hustle culture, the grind, 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 get like another job that came really, really pronounced in the millennial generation. But I'm also seeing it in like this, like late thirties to early forties demographic of people who are unsatisfied with the, what they've accomplished in life. And now they're all trying to find more in their thirties and forties, because not only the cost of living is so expensive, but homes are so expensive they're not making as much as they want to out of their job. And they're not worried about life work balance. They're just trying to make as much as they can. So now they're sacrificing all of that life aspect to try to create the second side hustle. And and then I worry about them going like, okay, like wh where does your fatigue hit? Like where, where did you burn? Right. Some people, nobody that we would know have multiple jobs mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, so you want life work balance, but you want to work two jobs and then you expect to balance everything. I mean, that, that's gotta be hard. It's gonna, it's gotta be difficult. So with, with these figures coming out and, and how this ties back into the fed and their mission, um, if wages continue to go up, you gotta, you gotta think consumer spending won't be coming down. Right. And if consumer spending doesn't go down, then businesses can somehow sustain whatever profitability they've had, or at least remain stagnant for that much longer right? Mm. Which ultimately drags out this process that much more, right? Which I think is the reason why at, on some level, the Fed had to have known some of this, which is why from the beginning, their summary of economic projections always had this pushed out to 2025. Yeah. And look, I, that may even be optimistic. You can't have 14 years of this and expect it to be fixed in a year. You really just can't. And the that's just unreasonable. The, and the last thing that anyone should want is for this to hurry up and get over with, meaning there's a there's a crash in some financial market causing the Fed need, needing to reverse course because your your two, you know, two year problem, your three year problem has just turned into a, a decade problem. I think there are some people that would feel better with that though. I think so, having something to point to and say, okay, we did this, this is why this is happening, versus like this nebulous the Fed's doing all these things. Hopefully it's good for us. Like we don't understand when there's a common enemy, people bond together, right? Right now it's like, there's not a clear wrong in the market. Everybody talks of inflation, but not everybody feels it. Well, the, the, what, uh, what I would say to those people then is, okay, right now, what, what people need to also understand is what the Fed's trying to accomplish is disinflation. You do that, you're causing deflation. Are you dissing me on the show? I'm, I'm dissing you right now. So the difference between the two, right? Disinflation is when the rate of increases come down. Prices are still going up every year. It's just at a smaller rate, right? Something that's more manageable, something that people won't be able to tell as much, and they continue to go out and spend, continue to search for higher-paying jobs. It stimulates the economy, right? Deflation, on the other hand, prices of things come down, and that's bad for all businesses. Mm, that, was, that was good. Yeah, that was really good. All right, appreciate you, man. Wow. Well, so, is, is it almost as good as these car prices? Oh, I was. I had a way better segue. Oh, okay. Let's run around that. Rob me. Right, okay, bring it back. Yeah. Get ready. That was really good, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, 
now we have i can't even do it seriously <laughs> now we've got wages that are eighty thousand dollars a year at a minimum to get people to change jobs you got home prices that are high you got credit card debt which is high you got student loan payments restarting what does that leave at least auto loans man and well several years now we've had some pretty high car prices from the wall street journal Car prices might be unsustainable for buyers. Surging loan delinquencies signal that many consumers can't afford their auto loans. Keep in mind, student loan repayment has not started yet, so that in and of itself is a very ominous sign. From the article, five years ago, there were a dozen models of new cars that sold for less than $20,000. In 2023, Said, there was only one. The classy, the elegant... The Spartan Mitsubishi Mirage hatchback. Mm, look at it. It's so sick. Bro, that car, like five years ago. I don't think ago, I've ever seen one of those. I, I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen that car how's, before. How is a Corolla not on this list? It's not less than $20,000. Damn. There's only one. And it's the, the Spartan Mitsubishi Mirage The Mirage. Hatchback. The hatchback, too. It accounted for about 5,300 of the 7.7 million new vehicles sold in the U.S. in the first half of this year. Mm. If you're willing to spend more than $100,000, you can choose from 32 models. Only 32, which to me sounds incredible. For the average American, paying off a new car at current prices demands 42 weeks of income, according to data from Cox Automotive, mm -hmm. up from around 33 before the pandemic. So the average transaction price of a new car. Care to take a guess? Average transaction price of a new car, 75000 New? Wow, that's high. Uh, 48000 48334 <laughs> Fuck, man, stay in your financial lane, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought there was a lot of, like, really ridiculous high-end no, cars. No, there are. Yeah, I get it. I so get I, it. Just, I thought that was good at dragging it. up the average. But if you're in the market or you, you need to buy a new car right now, is definitely the time to hold off as long as you can, Okay. Because prices are going to be coming down, especially by year end, especially start of the new year. Inventory levels are shooting up, right? This is from uh, V Auto's inventory. It's a database for, for um, auto loans. Uh, the supply of new vehicles is currently at 1.96 million units. Mm. You know how much that's up by? I won't have you guess. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously <laughs> off. Yeah, that's not, that's it, not torture me. That's up 71% from a year ago. Wow. So... Prices are coming down. They're starting to provide all kinds of incentive packages, right? Um, no different than going to buy a new home. They'll provide you with incentives to buy. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can hold off, if the inventory is shooting up, re remember, it's going to be end of the year. You got end of the year sales. You know, next year, they'll probably have some uh, manufacturers will have new models, right? You can actually go online and look up, you know, which dealerships or you know which car companies have more inventory and you can target you know those cars and get more incentives but that's crazy man 71% increase from a year ago in inventory is not a lot you just <laughs> i just want to know if i just stare at you would you keep going <laughs> <laughs> no it's a lot it's a huge number and and look so the same article tough times toughen, uh, toughening up is is the graph uh, chart name it shows you more borrowers with subpar credit are missing payments. So this is typically how credit cycles and challenges start, right? So what you see is you see like the lower tier uh, of credit spectrums 
right? So like the people with lower credit scores who have traditionally more of a credit risk to them, they start defaulting faster. Well, percentage of these, these particular borrowers, their loans, 60 plus days delinquent is now approaching uh, about five and a half percent. And to give you an idea, in 2020, it was closer to 3%. Wow. So that's uh, it's getting close to the double range. Nothing crazy alarming. Keep in mind, prior to 2020, it was uh, probably closer to 5% at the actually, height. I so. actually got it. So pre-pandemic, it was roughly around 7%. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I actually pulled – I have this up here, Odin. I put up a chart of um, interest rates. For uh, people that I put this in for you, did you see this? No, I don't look at anything you put in that article. I literally put it yeah. after your article for you to I know, bring up. But I was so I, these. I put Carter to bed tonight, and I laid in the bed with him. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's been he, my thing for a while. He now, kept man. kissing him in the head, and saying, "I love you, Daddy." Man, honestly, so I I've yeah. done this thing where um, I stop asking the kids when I pick them up from school, "How's your day? How was your day today?" Because they just go, "It was good." And they they keep walking. It's like they get so over. I remember my parents asking me as a kid, as a kid, "How's your day?" Be like, "It's good." Like, I'm not. What are we? What are we doing? I'm not talking about this. Like, I'm on to the next thing. We're basketball practice. We're going to Kumon. What are we doing? Right. So now I just ask them a simple question, like, "You know, what made you laugh really hard today?" Or, you know, who who made you laugh? Or what was something that was did you learn today at school? Specific questions. And then at the end of the night, I'll lay in bed with them, and that's when they just start opening up about their day. So you should start doing when Carter starts going to school. You're gonna you're gonna love that. And he goes to school. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. yeah. What a terrible uncle you are. What do you mean, bro? You didn't know he goes to school in the mornings. He's not. In, I mean kindergarten. That's daycare. Oh, that's not school. Don't don't big league. That's not, bro, my kids my kids went to preschool too. That's daycare, bro. That's not daycare. Stop it. How long is school? Uh, I don't know. All <laughs> right. So personal FICO scores if a range from 300 to 500. The average interest rate for new car loans is a sexy fourteen point zero eight percent. That's if yeah, that's if you have a pretty bad if you're barely breathing, I guess. The average interest rate for used car loans twenty one point three two percent. That's painful. Now, if you have a seven eighty one to an eight fifty FICO, average interest rate for a new car loan right now is five point one eight percent. Still high. Much more doable than the 14%. So that much more of an incentive to get your credit up. Used car loan, same bracket, 781, 850, 6.79%. Yeah, look at that range. You go from 6.79% for a FICO score of 781 to 21.32% for a car loan. See, that, that, that in my mind, that's punitive. You're telling me that someone in that, in that FICO credit score bracket really has four, almost four, three and a half times as much credit risk that seems that seems a little punitive i mean yeah unless you get somebody to co-sign with you i'll co-sign you has anybody ever asked you to co-sign for them for anything oh my god dude so not directly but i've had probably and i'm probably going to understate this 15 or 20 people hit me up asking to open up a, a black card account under my black card so they can get a black card Oh, that type of cosign? Yeah. Oh, but man. not like directly cosign for me. Because I think most people know I'm an asshole. I'm going to say no. Bro. Yeah. Well, it's also not a very good idea to, to be, you know, you're tied to this person for the life of You better be really, really close to this person. Yeah, I don't even think parents should do it for kids if they can. Really? Yeah. If you can avoid it for your kids, then don't. A lot do of people it. say that it's a, um, it's a good way to start off, you know, your kid's credit. If they're like 18, you cosign for them for no, a no, car. If they're 18, yeah, it's fine. If they get a, for, to get a car. But and, if they're in their 20s, nah. 
Yeah, like, come on, figure it out. Yeah, you on your own. Yeah, I didn't get any. any Failure close. to launch. Yeah, but uh, one of the first things that I thought about when um, I, I came on the show to start helping you out, you know, bring these numbers up. Wow, that um, seems. When I was when we were talking. Way off from the history there. I think the numbers were just the same. Just the same. Oh, we haven't done anything. <laughs> That's part of my frustration. <laughs> um, my uh, my wife was in dental hygiene school at the time, and one of her classmates, um, and this is this is the problem with financial literacy out there, right? Uh, one of her classmates asked her if she would co-sign uh, with him on a car loan. Hell no. Yeah, obviously, right? And my wife knew that, thankfully, at the time. And uh, she's like, no, no, don't. I, I can't, you know, because it kind of explained it to him. I have a very mean Middle Eastern husband who would never let me to do that. He that would, would be a lie. That him. would be a lie. I'm not Middle Eastern. Oh, yeah, you're Asian. That's right. Yeah, that damn geography. <laughs> geography. Get it right. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and this this person thought that, oh, you know, I have a really low FICO score. I I, I want to say it was somewhere in the three to 400 range. Okay. And my wife was like, oh, you know, I have a, I have a higher FICO score. She's like, oh, okay, great. If we add it together, then our FICO score is this. And she's like, no, that's not how this works. And had to explain it to them. Like, how can you ask somebody to co-sign if you don't necessarily understand how it works? And that's part of the struggle, I think, that uh, a lot of people face, that their financial literacy is just not there. Well, and if it wasn't bad enough that uh, the defaults are rising and rates are what they are, we got another problem with the car industry. Second charter rune, no bargain on the lot. Used car prices shot up during the pandemic and have yet to come back down. According to the Mannheim Used Vehicle Index, while prices have moved down from their peak, they are still equivalent to well after the 2020, I like to call it stimulus period, and well elevated of the, I'd probably say probably Two, almost three times as much as what it was in January of 2010. Well, I actually so. got that number for you. So the average listing price. Why, why, even t- why do I even talk? I got you because I know you weren't going to say that because people wouldn't understand what that index means, right? So the average listing price of a used car is now $27,000. Yeah, that's a lot. Bro, that's more, that's, I would, that's I would more than your Mirage. That's more than your Mirage. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, total uh, unsold used vehicles as of July, end of July, was 2.25 million. That's a 45 day supply. Mm. Average mileage on these used cars? God damn, who's buying this? I would never buy a used car with this much mileage on it. Wow, ball so, so hard. No, I'm just saying. I would rather get a, like a cheaper car and get get something else. Right? I get a Mirage, 69,000 miles. Wow, really? Yeah, that's high. My Jeep is 70,000 miles. Yeah, mine actually just crossed over 75. Did it really? Yeah. Wow. I used to live in Riverside. Far. It's a long drive. You, I was thinking about that earlier today. What about it? You know, you live in Riverside. You liked me better back then? No. <laughs> Being no. further away? Just think about how much time you must spend on the road. Oh, my God. Uh, two hours a day each way. It was really, I mean, I think about it all the time. I would see I would see my son for 30 minutes a day. How happy were you that you moved? I can't even begin to tell you, man. It was just be, the drop-off situation with schools, um, just be, being within a five-minute, you know, drive for for each kid um being close to work I, I didn't have to i could take the back road to work i didn't have to take the freeway you know we downsized we downsized a lot you remember the last house yeah, yeah you guys had a, like a loft upstairs it was nice. we had a lot it was not it was great for the kids for the time being um we had to downsize a lot which works out great for my wife and i we actually think that this could very easily be the home that we stay in you know for the greatest portion of our life mm-hmm. because it's it's 
big enough to support our family now, but also small enough to where once the kids move out, it's not going to feel too big. Yeah, and then once you have your third, I mean, you guys will figure that out. No, man, that's that's I'm tapping out. Tapping out. Okay. She is too. Okay. Yeah. Well, we see the light, dude. We're, yeah. we're we're getting it's we're getting to a point now where we get to enjoy uh, McDreamy and McSteamy. You know, dude, I can't believe you guys tried to ruin that for me. You should fucking drop the McSteamy bomb. I was I like. <laughs> That sounds like a really bad shit. <laughs> you said McSteamy, and I saw I've never he, even he seen came, this show, and came, I know that. How came, did you not know? Uh, bro, what do you mean? You you watch, you secretly watch shows. I have never watched that show. Oh, dude, what was that TV show that you used to watch? I know it's some guy named Barney. I never oh, watched that I show. How I Met Your Mother? How I Met Your Mother. Get out, oh, you I, didn't, bro. I, I never that watched. That was you. No, I never watched a full episode of that show. Oh, so he just full, watched the highlights. He's no, like, no, no. I, I'd see like clips on like social media or stuff like that, but I never actually watched a full yeah. like. I never sat down and watched because the show. you would you would you would say lines from the show that were like verbatim. No, I heard that. I think it was just I was an arrogant prick. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was because like you I would, I was trying to do anything. Yeah, you would. Like, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of a piece of shit. So <laughs> that that just said piece of shit things. No, I never. Because uh, I think a big part of it has to do with I was never on social media, so I was just you know. Under a rock for like the last twelve years. Well, judging by the activity on your social media, you kind of still are. Yeah. So. What you, know, you want me to be more active? I'm just saying you could you know try to like promote it a little bit. You know, like I, try to try to grow the account. Hey, I, I, He's I, pulling I, Larry, man. Just I, no. Oh. oh. Hey, I promote it more than some people. I thought we discussed this, Arun, <laughs> that in the best interest of our relationship with our brother here, we cannot, in good faith, promote the show. Yeah, 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 that's why we. That's why it didn't happen. That's why we did not. Yeah, yeah. More details. More details uh, from that to come in the future. Stay tuned. <laughs> Will they though? Yeah. I feel like you're a little salty about this. I'm extremely salty. You are extremely salty. You <laughs> are the edge of a margarita glass right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which has become my like new favorite drink. Margaritas? No, uh, spicy margaritas. Love them. Is that not very manly of me? I'm starting to walk away from Jock and Cokes. No, I do like my Jack and Cokes when I have a, a good drinking partner in Odun. You have left me. You know the fucked up part about me leaving you, like, hanging with the no drinking thing? I haven't lost any weight in doing it. <laughs> like, not an you ounce. You have nothing to show for it. I've got zero to show for it. You know what you need to do? Huh. You need to spike the system twice a week so the body needs to go into overdrive and start burning more calories. I had drinks on... Oh, you know what? During that whole, like, you oh. know, tropical storm thing? Yeah, yeah. People were like, you okay? I was literally in Newport Beach... Like at a really new posh opening of a restaurant called Cabana, not Cabana. Um, Cabana. No, that was the one in Laguna Beach that I went to the night before, or two nights before. Uh, it was uh, oh Palmia, and uh, you know, nice little Spanish themed restaurant. We had some, I had a couple beers. Wife had a couple cocktails. Everyone's like, "Are you okay? Are you guys surviving out there?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's tough." Beers do it for you, huh? I love beer, man. Good yeah. beers. It's just, it's just good. Yeah, it's never, heartwarming. Never, never really do anything for me. Beers? Yeah. Are you trying to get drunk? Or are you trying to? No, like, I'm you know, just trying to, you know, get a little, a little buzz going. I can never do that with beers. You have to drink too much. I would like the record to show that while I had the opportunity to make a body mass index reference for Saeed here, <laughs> well, well, given the on. alcohol content being relatively low, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will not do that because yeah. I'm a bigger person than you. It yeah, you are. One. Yes. Yes. According to my, I'm convinced my wife got me a scale that does not fucking work. She's fucking with you. And she's fucking with me because every single time for the last four weeks I've gotten on that scale, it has literally read the exact same damn number. I I made her get on it just to prove that it fucking works. 
So what part of your diet are you cheating on? I'm not. Come on, you man. son of a bitch. You know Come I'm on. not cheating. Chris. That's messed up. I've seen you eat a bag of chips. That's cheating. It's been literally four weeks since I've had one of those. Yeah. I've counted every calorie that's gone into my body, including the beers. Mm. And the reason why I got beers is so I can count the calories because I knew it was in it. Otherwise, when you get mixed drinks, I have no idea what's in it. Yeah. Order bo- beer. You know, your body's just retaining more water. Yeah. My body's saying, fuck you. Yeah, you will we, not win this war. We're not doing this. Yeah. We, you can give me all the peptides you want, motherfucker. You ain't uh, losing a pound. Huh. So, yeah, that's happening. But it's okay. I can get rich and famous. Okay. I can get rich and famous as a as a fat son of a bitch like I am, just like Michael Burry. Mm. How to get rich and famous from a stock market crash. The one and only big short hero, Michael Burry, sees disaster ahead, kids. And eventually, he'll get it right again. Right. This from the Wall Street Journal. Not known for bullshit articles, but hey, every once in a while, you make a turd. Yeah, man. Um, so basically what, what this article is trying to say and why he's all up in the media again, you know, this isn't the first time in the last, I'd say 12 months, 18 months or so that he's come out and made a little statement. He's kind of known for, you know, dropping a tweet and then circling an image and then also then deleting it. Right. Yeah. He likes that cryptic shit. Yeah. He likes that Kanye shit where like he'll delete all of his messages and leave the one. But you know, he's followed enough for that. If I did that shit, no one would notice. Yeah. But so he's not the first person that's done this. So, um, this is what I thought was really interesting. These are some of the stuff that he said in recent history where the markets still continue to go up when he's been wrong about. So he's famously known for calling you know, the Great Recession earlier than most people. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be right all the time. Oh, oh yeah. Taking right? the uh, broken clock is right twice a day approach? Is yeah. that what we're doing now? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that he, the man doesn't know what he's doing. You're kind of suggesting that he guessed. I'm just saying that he could be he, he could be wrong, right? Um, and what, what this is really signaling is basically what he did. He's, so he has, he's got a hedge fund company called Scion Asset Management, mm-hmm. right? And they put a it's – it's called a put option. Uh, it's which a bet against the market. Yeah, you're shorting the market. That's what you're, basi- you're basically shorting the market. You're saying if the prices come down to X level, then I could sell and still make a profit. Yeah. And you're basically shorting your position. What not only did the Wall Street Journal do, but every you know media outlet out there, they're saying he shorted it $1.6 billion, right? Yeah, a couple, couple shekels for him. Couple she- no, but that's not what he did, though. No. $1.6 billion is what he had in the market. Mm-hmm. If he shorted it, he probably shorted it somewhere close to $20 million, right? Just to hedge his bet. Right? Oh, his cost of the short. On yeah. The yeah. So yeah. They're, it's like they're misreporting it to make it seem much bigger than it is. No, man. You'd be surprised how many people don't really understand it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some it might be some like wordsmithing for clickbait and stuff like that, but it's still a pretty big position to take. And this this isn't something that only only he does. This is this would be something anyone should do if you had a, a big you know portion of your money in one section in one area and you needed to just. You know, he knows the market is going to come down eventually. I will say this about Peter, about Peter, about, about Michael Burry. Um, and I, I don't know another man. So this is a unique comment to him that has as much of a resting bitch face as he does. <laughs> Bro, why is he so comfortable opening his shirt that much? He always looks fucking angry, dude. You know, you know what he needs to do, right? He needs to go visit our boy. Who? Noriel. Noriel Rubini? Yeah, maybe, maybe Noriel can bring a smile to his face. Well, because Noriel Rubini is an economist. Yeah, you know, and he's got his hot tub and his red light therapy and his and, cold plunge and, and he's his spa. And, and he's known to have friends all illegally on his rooftop. 
And the he's friends not, are illegally on his rooftop? No, all the equipment. Oh. And then his friends. Oh, yeah. Almost always female. Um, and he doesn't seem to have a, a certain type. They're all different, diverse shapes and sizes and right. ethnicities. And he's just... Why is it that I only see Noriel smiling with his female friends, but he's always arguing with uh, CZ? And he's always, he seems to not really... Balance. Yeah, it doesn't really take a liking to the Desert Eagle. I have a theory here. Okay, and this, this might be all wrong. But I believe that this is much more petty than we than we seem to understand. I think what really happened is CZ got out of China, came to the U.S. when cryptocurrency was popping. Popping. And he was out in the clubs. Brand new whip, just hopping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Just keep going, man. And no, I've just got to gotta recognize when you quote lyrics. That's all I'm doing, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm, just, I'm giving you the respect that the lyric deserved, okay? So... Now, CZ comes to the U.S. He's been in a communist country for a little while. And he's out here balling with that crypto money. It's different. It hits different. It's different. He walks into a club in New York. Norio Rabini's there. Mm. Five, six girls deep. The booth next to the DJ. Yeah, Dr. Doom is getting ready to put the Boom Boom Room in together. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, I know. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sectioning off half of the club for him. Yeah, he's like, I am here to tell you how you make monies. Yeah. For you to the clubs. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in walks CZ. Mm. He's a new big dog in town. And all the girls flock to him because he's out there popping those those really expensive bottles, those Mykonos bottles, Ibiza bottles. I I see where you're going. This makes sense. And now, now Noriel Rubini is like, I will fuck you up. (laughs) Yeah. And he's got a vendetta. Yeah, yeah, dude. The crypto bros don't aren't really talking about Norio. I mean, I I think that and Norio Rabini's not really talking about anybody else in crypto besides CZ. <laughs> he's just coming after he's CZ. He's coming after CZ and Binance. <laughs> and I think this uh, we give them way too much credit. Like, oh, these guys are educated, experienced gentlemen. <laughs> right. They're gonna figure it all out. No, no. I think it's come down to something as petty as women. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I don't see why not. I could very easily see this be the case. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a strong possibility. That's the only reason these two men don't like each other. But Michael Berry, man, I mean, you've made some money, bro. Like RBF, dude, resting bitch face, pretty bad. Is it RAF, resting asshole face? <laughs> yeah. What's could, the proper vernacular? Here? We could start a, a new trend here. Raf. Yeah. Raf face. Raf face. Uh, well, <laughs> we didn't get to find a way to tie this in. We kind of mentioned it on the last episode, but rates have gone up even higher. So this from CNBC: mortgage rates hit their highest point since two. Thousand, the average rate on a the popular thirty year fixed mortgage hit seven point four eight percent. This, according to Mortgage News Daily, the average on the thirty year fixed last year this time is around five point five percent. That's wild, man. That's a huge jump, and you know, given what the ten year Treasury has done, it has definitely gone up, and it's going to continue to go up because of that. And you know, I know we always talk about uh, we break down why the why the ten year Treasury um, impacts this and how it continues to go up, but I heard somebody explain this, and I thought this is a good way to explain it too. What is what is a Treasury? Right, a Treasury is a loan that you give to the government. Right, you can buy buy the government's debt. Right, right, and you're guaranteed a certain interest off that debt. Right, right. So. And it's generally viewed as a very safe investment. The government always pays its debts like a Lannister, right? Follow me. Game oh, of, I, I got game, it. It's good. Game of Thrones, game right? Of Thrones. Oh, so, for, okay, yeah, right. But, so if if the ten year Treasury 
right? That government debt is 4.34%, and that's supposed to be a safe investment. Then an investment to you or I into a home loan is going to be slightly more, it's going to be more than that, right? That's why mortgages are tied so closely to the 10-year. Okay. See what I did there? Yeah, no, I see what you did there. Yeah. I wasn't listening, but I allegedly. What were you doing? You yeah, just... I I, uh, I put it at the top of the show notes for Arun oh. to play a clip to take us out. Now, it's going to pop up there in a minute. But if it doesn't, I can send you the old sex message. Oh, we still have that review, though. Yeah, maybe we're forgetting reviews, bro. We do have a review. Why don't we do that? Oh, well, we, we got another one, too, while we're in the studio. Did we really? But it didn't. Uh, no narrative. Okay, well, here's what we'll do is we'll read the review. And shortly after we're done, Arun will play an audio and video clip. It's uh, it's from the world-famous Instagram, so you know it's good. Mm. But it's an old clip from, uh, I believe, Canada, talking about mortgage rates and how impactful they were during the 1980s. During the 1980s. I remember, I think I, I responded to a listener about this. You know, people are thinking that uh, they're at, somebody asked us a question on what they thought about an adjustable rate mortgage, a seven-year arm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the lender was telling them, don't worry, you'll be able to refi in two to three years. Like, yeah, of course they're going to say that, right? This, this is always a reoccurring thing. But this is actually a really good comparison. If you're, if you're, if you're freaked out and terrified of the rate market right now, I hope that this outro, after we read the, the, uh, the review, mm -hmm. will give you a little bit of comfort in knowing that it isn't always bad. Perspective is important here. Yeah, exactly. So here's the review. This is from A-Town 504. Great education from even better, I'm assuming it says people. It got cut off there. Um, I have been listening for a few weeks now, and I have learned a ton so far. I really appreciate how Chris and Saeed take the time to explain in terms a beginner can understand. I mean, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's more yeah. me than you. You kind of you overshoot it. but I Overshoot it? Yeah. You at least they didn't reference Larry. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the best part, though, is that both of them seem to be really great people. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, Odin's a good guy, too. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. yeah. yeah probably better than both of us, frankly. Well, honestly, significantly better. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always admire people who take the time to help educate people so they can better themselves. Chris actually responded to me on Twitter, oh, giving, yeah? Me, yeah, yeah, giving did, yeah. me some great books to read. I gave him uh, Multiple Streams of Income by Robert Gion, which was the first one that I read. Not necessarily like the best book, but good for perspective. And I gave him Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rob oh, Kiyosaki. Yeah, good, yeah, good starting point, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm now enjoying Multiple Streams of Income, as oh. you mentioned, and learning even more. Thank you for everything, and keep up the great work. Oh, that was very nice. Appreciate and you, A-Town. And also, a, -town. a great indicator of why you should be more engaged on social media. 110%, yeah. Yeah, because people do care about what you have to say, even when it's not... Not, you know, really important information. Got it. So. Take us out. Uh, who's this guy? Toronto, mortgage rates, 1981. This man does not matter, but what he has to say in the people that he interviews during this news clip from that era is good for perspective. I know that we're all freaking out about 8% mortgage rates, but the world's not going to come to an end. Mm. And this is why. Rune, when you ready? The rate went down today, but once again, the drop was marginal. The new rate is 17.08%. That's only six one-hundredths of a percentage point lower than last week. Chartered banks are unlikely, as a result, to lower their prime rates. There'll be no relief from 15 and 16% mortgages either. 
Although at Fred Langen reports, those high rates don't seem to be frightening home buyers. I think if you have to buy a house and that's what the mortgage rates are, what are you going to do? You, you have to accept it. And of course it bothers you. The payments are high, but, but you can't do anything else. Those are the rates. On a $50,000 mortgage at 10%, the payment would be $447 a month. But at 15%, and that's a good rate today, the payment is $623 a month. I don't think people think that we'll ever see 12, 11 again, maybe even not 13. A year ago, when interest rates started to rise and mortgages began to climb to 15 and 16 percent, the mortgage market dried up. People were not borrowing money. But now that has changed. Banks and trust companies report an increased demand for mortgages at 15 percent and more. That means that Canadians have learned to live and pay for inflation and high interest rates. Fred Langan, CBC News, Toronto. Wow. Wow, man. I don't know that we'll see... 11 or 12 or even 13% anymore. You got to do what you got to do. Good night, everybody. That's my line. Oh, you want to go ahead? <laughs> Good night, everybody. Mm, I feel like I did it better. Bye.